engine light on? Take the guesswork out of your check engine light with O'Reilly Veriscan. It's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASE certified master technicians. And if you need help, we can recommend a shop for you. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. When it comes to processing and butchering wild game, if I think about it, I've literally cut up meat everywhere. I'm talking hotels, motels, back of the truck. Uh, one time in this multi-million dollar condo, which is kind of an interesting story, uh, at a friend's house, on boats, various parking lots. And most of this for me is because I've been tra- like just traveling to different places, out-of-state hunts, what have you. So maybe you're traveling for a hunt this season, or maybe you're just not fully set up with a complete butcher station at your house. Not everybody has space to hang a whole elk or have a walk-in freezer, but you do want to process the animal yourself. As a self-proclaimed I would say small space butcher expert. It's kind of a tongue twister. Uh, I have a few trips to help you successfully manage the butchering task with limited room and how to make the job more simple with limited time. But first, I want to answer the question, where's the strangest place I've processed game meat? Now, for most people, that's... If somebody said, what's the weirdest place you've processed game meat? That'd probably be like a, a strange question. But for me, that's a tough question to answer because there's been a lot of strange places that I've cut up and done some butchering. Uh, now, are we talking big game or just any wild meat? Because I know that off the top of my head, I can think of a few funny stories. The, the weirdest place I've cut up any meat would probably be, oh yeah, this one time... In Alaska, we were fishing and just staying in this motel, and we caught some salmon and and some other stuff. We we processed some of it down by the boat, but 
uh, we came back and we're like, oh, we want to, we're going to do up like a good sushi, like essentially sashimi feast. I caught an octopus on that trip. <laughs> and so we had like no space and I had a cutting board and I was, we were like literally cutting using the back of the toilet in this motel room. Like the, as it was like the only flat spot in the hotel. It was like a fairly small room that didn't have anywhere to, to do anything. So we have the cooler in there. We pull out this octopus. We're like slicing up sashimi on the cutting board on the back of the toilet in the motel room. And then went out back and had our, ourselves a sashimi, a sashimi dinner. That was, that was pretty strange. We called it toilet sushi. <laughs> but um, I know it sounds disgusting, but it was really good. It was a long day. Uh, nothing better than a little bit of fresh, fresh sushi cut up on the back of a toilet. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. Um, if we're talking big game, the the whole story is kind of long, but we actually got invited on this hunt and kind of somehow lucked into getting this really nice condo to stay in that was kind of comped. So it was like they were, anyways, we got this condo and it was like this multi-million dollar mansion on the ocean, which you're like, sweet, this is really awesome. Except for this place was just pure white. And we were hunting in an area that's just like, red dirt and we happened to shoot quite a few deer and there was no place to put them. Um, so that like, honestly, that condo never looked the same and, and we never got the invite to stay in that condo again after the fact. Uh, I think another really random place that I butchered deer it was actually in Maui. It was my wife's first hunt or the first time she was successful harvesting a deer, but it just so happened that the day that we could hunt was pretty much the day we had to leave. So we had like an evening flight out and we went hunting out with my friend Robin and she shoots her buck. And we're like, okay. We're like looking at the time. We're like, we got to, dude, we got to get to the airport. Cause as things go when you're hunting, it's like, oh, we'll do that one more stock. We'll do that one more, whatever. So we shoot this deer, we pack it back. We get it in the truck. He's got a big Yeti in the back. We throw the, the meat in there. And we're just thinking like, dude, we don't have time to run back to your house, get to the airport, whatever. Generally when I'm traveling, I bring everything. I've got like a Yeti backflip soft side cooler. And then I generally like will vacuum seal the meat or put it in bags somehow, freeze it, put it in that bag and go home. But I did bring some of these Yeti ice packs. So they, they're actually colder than, than ice. So it'll freeze stuff that's in there, but it'll definitely keep it cold. So I had enough forethought to, to bring this with me. They were pre-frozen. So I'm like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to cut this meat up. We're going to put it in baggies. Then we're going to stuff it in the cooler and then I'm going to use those ice packs to freeze it. It's like, okay. And we're thinking like, well, we're pretty dirty. Uh, probably should shower. So he's like, oh, there's a country club I'm a member too along the way. So we're like, sweet, this will be perfect, right? <laughs> so we roll up to the country club and it's like, we're parked in there, dirty vehicle. There's all these like nice cars, golf course, whatever. So he's like, okay, I can get you in. We go in, shower up and I'm like, okay, we're going to have to butcher this thing like right here in the parking lot so we've got the the back of the car open and i don't know why this is funny but well i know it's funny it's just kind of funny so i'm thinking like somebody's gonna somebody's gonna get like see what are we doing we're getting like all these weird looks like what are these guys doing we've got like a butcher setup going slicing dicing on the top of the cooler and then we're like assembly line into bags and then we're going to be stuffing it into this backpack cooler to go and we're like in the middle of like processing people are like looking kind of like skirting around and then this one old guy goes up to my buddy robin and he's like meredith <laughs> and he's like we're like covered in blood uh in camo 
butchering a deer. And this guy, like, I think maybe he thought like we were where he was parked or if he was just trying to like, didn't notice us and looked past. So I'm, we're like laughing because it's like, here's two guys butchering a deer in a parking lot in a country club. And he thinks that one of us might be his wife. So we're like, Oh man, um, are you okay, man? Like, are you confused? And I think he was slightly confused, but then he kind of was like, wait, this is obviously maybe he was t- trying to talk past us. We didn't know what was going on, but we were laughing because here we are butchering a deer and, uh, Robin got mistaken for <laughs> this guy's wife, which makes no sense. I don't know. It was just random. You know, of all the things that you think somebody's going to say while you're butchering a deer, that was not one of them. So we're like, okay, so we got this deer butchered. Now, like we run in shower real quick, come back out, make it to the airport just in time. And, uh, yeah, that was the processing the buck in the back of the truck at the country club. But I say that to say you can really butcher an animal wherever you are, whatever your space or limited availability. I get a lot of questions of guys like, Hey, I live in an apartment or I've got um, a small house, not a lot of storage area. How do I get, uh, an animal process without just having to drop it off? I want to go through the process myself. So these tips are really good for that, or especially people traveling somewhere where you might be staying in a motel, staying in a tent camp, staying wherever, and you've got a long trip back, how to get that meat butchered and processed for the trip home, or if you've got limited space. I'm going to set this up with three scenarios that I think a lot of people will encounter at some point. So the first scenario would be, maybe you're that traveling hunter, you shot a deer, maybe you say, hey, you drew a Wyoming deer tag, went out to Wyoming, staying at a local motel, and you're like, well, what do I do? I've got a deer, but I've got a long drive home, or I've got extra time. Maybe your buddy's got a tag, or you guys have a couple days before you got to head home. Well, what do you do? Now, another scenario would be you shot an elk, and maybe you live in a small house or apartment with no yard. Um, I get that question a lot. And then the third scenario would be, let's say you had a, what, it doesn't even matter, but let's say it's a cow elk tag, right? You go out the last day of your hunt, you're hunting weekend, Sunday, you shoot a cow elk. You're like, sweet. You get home late, but Monday morning, you have to go to work. Now what? So this series is going to be breaking down and answering these questions on a good way to process with small space and what to do or kind of this methodology of setting up your processing when maybe you've got a limited amount of time or you've got to be back and doing something the next day. But you want to, you don't want to have to drop it off at a butcher. You just want to do it yourself. So the first thing we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of touch on those first two questions starting off. The limited space thing, the motel, whether you're traveling, maybe you flew, whatever, or you've just got a, a small area. So here's the gear. Let's start with the gear that I kind of recommend. Um, I always travel with these items. So I'm going on a hunt. Let's say I'm flying to a recent one. I just flew to Hawaii hunting access deer. Um, that recent hunt was a little bit different because I had access to a lot of different processing equipment, but here's some items that I always bring with me wherever I'm going. A cutting mat, a fillet knife. So I really like the Gerber controller fillet knife. It's made for fish, but it's incredible for processing, cutting up big game, small game, whatever. I use it as a butcher knife and there's a folding version as well as just like, I like the one that goes into the hard sheath that has a sharpener on it, just a six inch fillet knife. And then some sort of cooler. 
So even if I'm traveling, like flying somewhere, I use a, a, a cooler that I could pack a soft sided cooler. You know, if I'm driving or whatever, I always have, you know, a big cooler full ice somewhere to keep the meat cold. And then I've got bags of some kind, whether they're vacuum seal bags or the big Ziplocs and then a marker to label stuff. And then generally I, I will bring some form of vacuum sealer. So uh, there's smaller vacuum sealers. I use the meat brand vacuum sealers found at meetyourmaker.com. So they've got a small one and then they've got more of the pro version. It depends on the type of trip, how I'm going, where I'm going. Uh, I don't generally bring like a chamber vac with me, which is absolutely the best kind of vacuum sealer. We can talk about all the processing equipment later, but um, some kind of vacuum sealer because it's actually a really good way, especially if you're traveling or if you have limited space, because when you vacuum seal it, you can store it in a different way. And we'll talk about that here in a minute to give yourself to provide more space while you're butchering and between putting things in the, like if you need time for things to age, you can age them in the fridge in the vacuum sealer by um, wet aging them. Or you can also use it if you're traveling because it doesn't leak as much. Now the vacuum sealer, I would say it, it can be faster to wrap stuff. Uh, if you are going to wrap, I always would double wrap. So I use saran wrap and then wrap in butcher paper. But for stuff like traveling, I like that extra assurance um, of having it in the vacuum sealed plastic. And it's also like a really good preser preservation method that works really well. Now, I will say this too, we're kind of, I'm, I'm talking about two different things, small space while you're traveling and small space where you live, small space while you're traveling. You can always do like, just get everything broken down and use Ziploc bags. I use that a lot. But the, the key about butchering in small space is kind of compartmentalizing. So what we're doing is we're taking a big animal and we're breaking it down into pieces of work that can be managed in an area that doesn't really matter where it's at. So I broke this down into a few different steps. So step one is going to be the field breakdown. So think about it. We're going big to small. Um, it's really great if you've got a lot of room, you know, when, where I guide out of in Montana, we've got a walk-in chiller. We can put everything in there. If somebody wants to butcher, we can pull out pieces at a time from the chiller. We've got plenty of room, big table, all the processing gear in essentially a giant shop warehouse. Plenty of room for that. But that's not the case all the time. That's a, a very rare case. So what we need to think about is, well, we don't have room to take care of an entire animal. We need to kind of figure out the steps along the way and where to do these steps to make it super manageable in an area the size of your tailgate. So step one is going to be the field breakdown. What the field breakdown is going to be is skinning and quartering the animal in the field. Um, this is the, this is, I always pack everything out. I use the gutless method. So I always skin and quarter in the field anyways, but I know there's a lot of people that do the gut and drag method. If you've got limited space, if you're saying like, hey, I got to come come home and I got to process this in an apartment building and you've got an entire whole deer in your truck, it's going to be really hard. I mean, I guess you could do it in your bathtub or whatever, but um, it's probably not, not recommended. So what I would do is I would essentially break the animal down in the field somewhere. You know, it's, it's a great place because you've got the room, you've got the space and you're going to have your cooler with you, one of those essential pieces of gear. So you can start breaking down the pieces, breaking down the quarters. I remove the hind quarter and front shoulder. I then can remove the back strap either off the rib or leave it on and use a saw, cut it in half. Doesn't really matter. You're just breaking it down into manageable pieces that you can fit in your cooler 
to take home. So that's going to be your first stage of like, where do I keep this stuff? How's it all going to work out? You're going to use your cooler as the storage space while you're processing those individual pieces. Now, let's say we get back to our motel, our hotel, the back of the truck, wherever, and it's time to break down. So step two is going to be breaking down those pieces into the butcher portion. So while you're butchering one piece, everything else is going to be chilled in your cooler. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This episode is brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced? Brake light fixed? Quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop to get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto, O-R-E-I-L-L-Y, O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. So step two is going to be the deboning process. And I generally do this once I get like Unless it's a super far pack out, I'll actually start the deboning process right at the kill site. Like if it's an elk and I'm like, man, I'm way back here. It is heavy. I don't want to carry these bones. But most of the time, honestly, it's a little easier to just manage things with bone in. So I'd say 80 to 90% of the time, I don't really bone stuff out in the field unless I need that. And it's more of a space saving thing for me, honestly, as opposed to weight. But once I get back to wherever I'm going to start cutting up, then I bring out that fillet knife, that butcher knife. I've got my cutting mat and I'm going to start deboning those quarters wherever I'm at. This is, this can be on the tailgate. This could be 
in the kitchen of your motel room, hotel room, condo, uh, house, apartment, whatever. So you got all your other pieces in there. You got you pull out one quarter, and now you're going to start breaking down, deboning. You're removing the muscle groups, and you're like, sweet, this is the first stage of the butchering process. And just as a little like hint tip, the way the muscles grow, you know, the thing that I do if I got a front shoulder, a hind quarter, let's start with a hind quarter. You just start separating those muscle groups out. You'll see there's the fascia that kind of holds everything together. You'll go in there, you'll take your knife, and you'll just start laying out and separating out the different cuts and the different pieces of meat. From there, once it's separated, we go into step three, and this is the cut and separate. So I'll take that one piece that I'm working on, obviously. Uh, I'll separate it out. I'll say, okay, these are steaks. I cut that, bag it, tag it right on the bag. This is what it is. And then I have a separate bag set aside for the grind because that's one thing. There's a lot of grind off these animals and that's the thing that starts piling up. So I start one bag for grind and then I start bagging out my individual butcher cuts. So I've got those cuts and then I start to store and put away the grind in the freezer. So if it's in a a Ziploc or a vacuum seal bag, I'll I'll close that bag, seal it, stick that in the freezer. One thing that you want to think about is, you know, I get the question a lot okay, I don't have a lot of space. How do I age the animal? So there's a couple ways that I do that in the storage process before I cut it or after I cut it, depending on how much time you have and how much space you have. So that's where the vacuum sealer comes in. One thing you'll find like, so the aging process, what it does is it breaks down that rigor mortis and makes the meat more tender. You know, people ask like, okay, if I freeze, if I freeze it right away, if I shoot it, I cut it up and I freeze it right away, will it be tough? The answer is probably yes, because what you're going to get is a, a, a term called cold shortening, where you freeze the meat before the rigor has time to break down, and it's kind of going to always be tough. So here's your options. You can either dry age it or wet age it. Dry aging is kind of keeping it in a climate-controlled environment and giving it a little bit of time to break down. The way that I do this in my house, um, I use plastic meat totes. I clear out my fridge, and I try to stack everything on one thing, shelf. And then I keep the meat in the fridge for a little bit, but I try, you want it to be like spread out enough where it's got room to breathe. If you don't have that space, you could do it in the cooler. You just want to make sure that it's not sitting in water. Um, It's not going to dry age where it's going to develop a crust, but it will be allowed to age in that cold, um, in that cold storage. I don't suggest aging things in the cooler though. I think that they turn out not as well. Um, They can kind of sometimes because it's really hard to keep them out of the water. So that's your last case scenario. The next scenario would be, you could do it one of two ways, which would be a wet age. And what that is, is you're using your vacuum seal to remove any oxygen that could cause the meat to go bad. So you're kind of preserving it. And then you're keeping it under cool temperature, which could be your refrigerator. But the nice thing about this is it doesn't leak. It doesn't cause a mess and you can stack things on top of each other. Um, in the fridge. So you've got limited space. I go with this wet age process almost 90% of the time because I can start to butcher if I need to right away. And then I can use the refrigerator to let the rigor mortis break down without letting oxygen get to it, where it's going to start crusting over. You don't have as much meat loss or whatever after the fact, and it still comes out extremely tender. So you can do this wet aging process in one of two ways. You can butcher it, vacuum seal it, store it in the fridge for a week, and then freeze it. Or even you can go up to two months like this. Um, I've had, I've done it where I've actually just like vacuum sealed the whole hind quarter, wet aged it, um, let it sit in the fridge for about a month, uh, three to four weeks, and then taken it out, butchered it, sealed it back up and put it in the freezer. But 
You can do it either way. That's where that vacuum sealer comes in handy. For this process, like let's say you need a little bit of more aging to go. Um, you've got like a, enough time where you're like, hey, I can butcher it in a few days. I can butcher it next weekend. Then you would probably get the vacuum seal, create a long bag, vacuum seal each individual broken down piece or maybe a big block of boned out pieces, vacuum seal it, and then pull those out and start to process. Now let's answer that question. Maybe you were on a hunt and you, you got something the last day and you don't have time to butcher it right away because you've got to go to work or whatever. This is a this is a real life scenario. I run into this more times than not. A lot of friends I know, this is the problem. You get home, you're like, man, I want to process this myself, but I just, I, I was like, I feel like I don't have the time. What do I do? How long can it last? How do I take care of it? I don't want it to go bad. Like this is the whole reason I went out, struggled all week. You know, I finally am successful. I want the meat to be really good. Do I just drop it off at the butcher? Or do I do it myself? And that's, that's a really good question to ask, but it is definitely doable to do yourself. And it's kind of on some of these things that we started to touch on. What I like to do is I like to kind of stagger the time. So we come home, we've got the elk, and you're like, man, I don't have room to hang this elk. What do I do? So the first thing that I do, this is just me, the way that like what my scenario would be. Let's say I've got room for one or two quarters in the fridge, or if I could hang in my garage and the temperature's right, awesome. That's what I would do. You know, I like to keep it around. I mean, I kind of, I kind of play with it a little bit. You want to kind of keep it around that 40 degrees if you can, uh, you know, as long as you get cool air running over it, it's okay. So what I do, if it's a little bit warmer, if I've got room in the garage, I hang up the meat in the garage and then I have a little fan and I just turn that fan on and let it blow and keep circulating air past the meat. You will notice that it's going to dry it out pretty good, create this crust around it but it's going to protect the meat. It's going to break down. I try not to do that for more than four or five days, but um, you know, shorter is better if you got three days or whatever, but it gives you a little bit of time to then mess with the meat. So you come back from work every day that week and you just grab a quarter, process that quarter, and then you save your grind up. So you'll put all your grind into the freezer or whatever. And then as you're processing, and then you'll do all your grind at once. One reason that I like to put the grind in the freezer is because it actually grinds up better when it's semi-frozen. So I'll just start to defaw that in the fridge when it's grind day. So I get all my, everything done, process done. And then I do grind day one day after I've done all the other butchering. Uh, it separates it out a little bit and also makes it easier because it's like semi-frozen. You, want, you don't want it frozen, but you want it like fairly cold for your grind process. So we're going to go into, um, we've got that, that limited time. Maybe you've got the garage set up. Sweet. You can use the fan. That'll buy you a little bit of time. Then you can pull a quarter in once a night or whatever, whenever you got time that week and start processing and do it the same way. Cut it up, vacuum seal that, put your grind in the freezer. You're good to go. Next day, you maybe grab another quarter or however much you can do within that time that you've got. Now, if you don't have that hanging space or it's too hot or it's like, hey, I'm in Arizona. It's, <laughs> my garage is way too hot for this. It doesn't even matter if I've got the, got the fan on it. Then you can use a combination of the cooler, your refrigerator, or that vacuum sealing method and in the refrigerator. So I'll do a, a couple different ways. You know, when you've got an elk in a cooler, it doesn't matter how big your, well, there are giant coolers, but what I like to do is keep it out of the ice, but still definitely cold. You're going to continually check the temperature of it and make sure that it's not in water. And that's the biggest thing. So I'll probably pull a couple quarters out and try to make room in my refrigerator, putting them in the totes where they're separated, where air can get around them. Or I'll do that technique of getting a really long vacuum seal bag out, sealing the bottom of it, putting quarter in, vacuum sealing it, and storing it in the fridge. That way I can actually stack them. 
they won't go bad that way. And they give me, they buy me a little bit of time to actually get to the butchering process. Then I'll pull it out, cut it up when I can. Same thing, put the grind in the freezer and then put my processed steaks in the freezer and it's ready to go. Now, when it comes to grind day, or, you know, if you got the time, you come back, you've got plenty of time, you can do it all at once. That's great. But even while I'm processing the entire deer, I stick or elk or whatever, I stick whatever grind. Once I get a, a good size bag, I then put that grind in the freezer, even if I'm doing it that day to start cooling it down to temperature. And then I'll pull out the grinder and then do it that way. I will say like when it comes to grinding your own meat, that's one thing where you probably, you want the better version of whatever you can get. So I like at least the half horse grinder. If I'm doing an elk or whatever, it's just, it's just a better process. I've owned some pretty crappy grinders in the past. So I will say like, if you're butchering yourself, the two things you want to invest in, I'd say the first thing you'd want to invest in is a good grinder. And then the second thing would be that vacuum sealer or maybe simultaneously at the same time, those two pieces of kit, because it's going to make the entire butchering process so much easier when you do it at home, if you have those two things, because you, it gives you the flexibility to wet age. It gives you the flexibility to, to get a good seal and whether you use it just for preserving things between the breakdown process or whether you use it to, for the final seal up set in the freezer, it doesn't really matter. It just gives you that extra ability to move things around and store them different places with a lot of ease. And it's definitely great if you're traveling because you can, um, they don't leak as well. So especially if you've got something, a lot of times what I'll do if I'm traveling, I'll butcher it, I'll cut it up, I'll use big pieces, vacuum seal, freeze it, stick it in my cooler bag and just take it as carry on. Pretend like it's just like walk around like it's super light. I'll have about 50 pounds in that thing and <laughs> stuff it in the overhead bin. Um, so that's, that's a good way to do things if you're traveling, if you have limited space or a limited amount of time. I wanted to address that way of butchering because I've been getting a lot of questions as guys are planning for their season. Maybe, you know, it's a, it's a question that comes up every year and I figured, okay, it's definitely worth talking about if so many people are asking about it. Uh, for a little bit more in depth, like how to butcher, if you're like, okay, that tells me, gives me an idea of the strategy. If I don't have enough space, where to store things, how to move things from stage one to stage two, or some ways of, you know, keeping the meat safe for a little bit longer period of time. But if you want more in-depth processing, butchering, field care, you can always go to my YouTube channel, subscribe to that, because uh, leading up to the season, I'm going to be releasing videos on pretty much every stage of breaking it down in the field, hind quarter, back quarter, back strap, whatever, like every piece of it, and then the kind of the butchering process along the way. So feel free to check that out, and it'll kind of be a good like visual aid cue to kind of figuring out this in the field breakdown because it's really hard to explain everything just via podcast. So a little bit of an ancillary content, if you will. Now, um, oh, actually, I forgot. Uh, I tried to work out a deal. So if you listen to the podcast, if you do need some butchering stuff, I work with Meat. It's uh, meetyourmaker.com. They sell all kinds of stuff, high-quality grinders, vacuum sealers, up to professional grade. It's pretty good prices, but... If you put my name in there, Remy, you'll get a discount. So that's cool. Um, just if it's something that you, you're like, Hey, I want to start butchering, processing my own stuff. There's plenty of stuff on there. So something that I worked out for listeners of the show, thought it might be sweet, get a little bit of a discount. Uh, but anyways, thank you guys for listening. Keep the messages coming. Next week is our hundredth 
episode. It's crazy, man. hundred weeks of doing this. Wow. That's pretty nuts. It just seems like yesterday I was talking about the biggest buck of my life. So, uh, gearing up for the hundredth episode, I've got some cool, I'm going to do a little bit of a cool giveaway. Something as a thank you for everyone that listens. And we'll talk about some of my favorite tactics and go over some solid tips maybe even a little bit of flashback session and maybe figure out the total sign off, the final sign off. So until next week, keep cutting. Well, that works good. That was good. Cause it's like, keep cutting the distance, but I was talking about meat. Uh, that could be, that, that could be in the great, that could be the goat of sign offs. I like that one. All right. Keep cutting guys. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.